passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into the Online Enquirer podcast, and it is time to wrap up our position previews for the 2023 Illinois football season. These have been a lot of fun getting us kind of ready for the season. Let's be honest, we're towards the end of training camp, and it's time to just play football at this point. It's Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner, and uh, I think we saved this one, Joey, um, not only because DB and special teams comes last on the depth chart and all those things. But we probably had the biggest questions about uh, defensive back and secondary, and we've been trying to figure out as much as possible during training camp. I don't know if we've said this, but uh, we do not have a lot of access to training camp. Have we made that clear to people? Uh, but secondary has been like our biggest question throughout this entire thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember ever mentioning <laughs> not having training camp access, so uh, it's, it's good to finally get that out there, yes. I would say. But yeah, dude, this is... This is the most questions we have at any position going away. I mean, it's far and away the most questions. We, we've gotten a couple hints, nuggets here and there. We know some main players. We'll get to those in a minute. But not only is it all new faces, there are a lot of new faces. Taz Nicholson returns. Xavier Scott played late last year. You're replacing three draft picks in the top 70 and four guys in an NFL training camp. So it's big shoes to fill, and it's a lot of shoes that need filled. Well, there it is. That is the storyline. You are replacing arguably – the best secondary in college football. Now, there's maybe ones you could argue were more talented, but three in the top 70. Nobody else had that, right? So uh, you can make that argument that they were, and they were the most productive, uh, albeit in the Big Ten and in the Big Ten West, where passing is not as crazy as in the SEC or Big 12 or, or Pac-12. But um, 
Devin Witherspoon, number five pick in the draft. Quan Martin, the number 47 pick in the draft. Sidney Brown, the number 66 pick in the draft. And Kendall Smith, I mean, what a what a story he was, really, last year. Uh, is on the Washington Commanders, and he had a nice interception the other night, along with Quan Martin. He's in an NFL training camp trying to make that roster. you got to replace all those guys, Joey. So, Taz Nicholson, the only returning starter. So, you're not completely starting from scratch, and I think that is the the one silver lining here of Taz Nicholson's injury of uh, some other injuries that happened last year, Tyler strain is that yeah. Terrell Jennings, Taz Nicholson was a starter was a big part of that secondary. When he was out, it was, it was obvious, but Matthew Bailey, I know he's injured. We'll get into him. He's a big question. 180 snaps last year. Xavier Scott, 143 snaps. Tyler strain, 172. We've seen strain. We've seen Scott. We've seen Nicholson. So while this is a new look secondary, there is some experience here that was gained in some huge games last year. Now, Xavier Scott and Tyler Strain had some growing pains last year when they were out there, but there's also some good things to take away from those guys. Yeah, today Brett Bielma said someone like Xavier Scott has played a lot of football, and I thought, mm, he's played some. He's played some Definitely important football. Them. Yeah, he's played. That's right. I, I, I think that's the thing is down the stretch when – Look, Taz Nicholson played really good football. That was really overlooked by the three top 70 draft picks before he got hurt. He was important, and you saw the secondary suffer when he was hurt. So getting him back is huge, but I know there's a lot of, you know, anger or hand-wringing, I guess, about Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown opting out of the bowl game. That got Xavier Scott time. That got Tyler Strain time. Obviously, as you mentioned, the injuries and big moments. I mean, it was a Big Ten West race. Purdue, Michigan State, at Michigan. Like, there were really big moments there that those guys were thrown into, and they're going to be better for it. I just wonder how quickly they'll be better for it, right? I think that's the big question is you got to – and they, they addressed it. We'll get into it in the transfer portal. They addressed some more experience via the portal. But, yeah, there, there are fair question marks, and maybe those go away by October 1st, right? Maybe they come out and it's like, wow, we were really underestimating. I, I'm kind of you know, joking a little bit, but I was going through our season over-unders a year ago. We drastically underestimated the defense. I don't think we were wrong to do it, but like, will that be the case again? I don't think they'll be top like they were last year, but like maybe the secondary won't be a weakness by October 1st. And maybe it's not now. We just don't know. Yeah. I mean, a year ago now, I think we thought the defense would be pretty good because the last nine games of the year in 2022 or 21, they were really good. Uh, and, and we thought Ryan Walters was pretty good. They were old. None of us saw Devin Witherspoon as the number five pick in the draft. We thought he'd be like a third rounder right? Something like that. We thought he was pretty good. Quan Martin, while the staff was building him up, it was like, well, yeah, maybe he's going to be an NFL guy. Maybe he'll get into camp. He's a great athlete. Uh, just hadn't seen the production level yet. And Sidney Brown, whom we loved, little undersized, little inconsistent, but last year took his game to another level. And that's credit to Ryan Walters, credit to Aaron Henry, uh, and of course, Brett Bielma as well. Uh, they elevated their game to a level that, that none of us thought they could. And now, that's all thrown out the window. Kendall Smith took his game to another level, and now all those guys are gone. We knew that was going to happen, but we, we would expect, and we'll get into the expectations, that it's not going to be as good as last year. But this still is a, a defense that has had secondary success that we've seen Tyler Strain go in last year and play well. We saw Matthew Bailey go in last year and play well. They've recruited this position pretty well. They've added some transfers. So, I don't think this group's going to be bad by, by any means, but the three guys that are we can count on or we think are for sure going to be starters 
are all corners slash nickel, right? We'll get into the big question of the safeties here in a little bit. But Illinois seems to have a lot of confidence in Taz Nicholson raising his game to another level after a good year last year as a starter. Tyler Strain seems to have solidified the spot as a starter despite adding some Jucos and Caleb Patterson and Prince Ford and a bunch of freshmen. And then Xavier Scott, if we're marking one guy down as maybe the most breakout performer of the year, especially on defense, the way the coaching staff is talking about Xavier Scott is reminding me of the guy in the same position last year, Quan Martin. They were talking about, like, this guy is great. He's one of our best players. They took him to Big Ten Media Days last year, right? I'm like, oh, that's that's an interesting pick. Feels like Xavier Scott could be that guy next year going to Big Ten Media Days, the way they're talking about him now in that nickel spot. Yeah, they're not really hiding their excitement about him. I I wish I had the exact quote pulled up from Ryan Walters last year, but it, maybe I'm misremembering it. Hopefully you can – pretty sure they said they basically recruited him to play nickel. I mean, like, that was as it was presented to us. Like, this is Quan's replacement, this guy. And as we've seen with the secondary, they've kind of said, hey, so, you know, you'll practice here and you'll practice here and you'll practice there. But for them to come out and say, this guy, you know, we see him as a nickel and be as effusive about it as they were, and that's followed up with the summer. Yes, you kind of got to look at that, right? You, you've got to look and say, okay, there's probably something here. I mean, I we didn't really get the sense coming into training camp that, he wasn't going to be a starter, but Brett Bielema didn't for as long as he let the quarterback thing go. And as long as he's letting, continuing to let the right side of the offensive line go, that was one of those things where it's like him, that's the guy starter. And that's it, right? There was no looking back. And I think that matters when you're trying to figure things out that the head coach and all coaches, right? this isn't just Illinois, but all coaches like to drag out these position battles and you know, rah, rah, everybody's, you know, it's great. That wasn't the case. It's like, Hey, Xavier Scott's going to be a starter. Mm-hmm. Okay, move it along. And I think that means something. Yeah, and he had some struggles last year, right? I mean, you throw him in there against Michigan, didn't have a great game. Primarily at that outside corner spot, too. Remember? And that's not where he'll play, but that, that's where he was thrown into. Right. He's a true freshman, one of the late additions of this class. He's one of the last blue shirts we'll ever have because of the changing rules in the NCAA. Um, five foot and, you know, ten, not, not the longest guy. Um, but he played really well in that bowl game uh, against Mississippi State, and I thought, you know, that whole secondary. If you want, if you want some confidence going to next year, I know Quan Martin and Kendall Smith were playing in that game, but Tyler Strain, Xavier Scott, Matthew Bailey, the caveat that Matthew Bailey is now hurt. All those guys played significant snaps, Joey, um, and they limited a Mississippi State team that loves to throw the ball to one touchdown and they had two interceptions right and what six seven yards per pass attempt that that was a a nice sign for uh Aaron Henry as a defensive play caller going into that role and then for a new look secondary we kind of got a brief look at it and it looks pretty good yeah I think if you look around college football there are position groups at schools and I'm not saying like the Ohio State wide receivers but they're in the mix I don't want to make that comparison but like edge rushers at Iowa offensive lineman at Wisconsin, especially when Brett Bielmo was there. These schools have position groups where even if they have turnover, you say, well, there's enough body of work here to think they'll be okay. I don't know that I want to say, like, right now, that's Illinois secondary. But this year, you know, if these guys come out and play well, and a lot of them will be returning, presumably, I think they've kind of earned that after this year. If they come out and play well enough with a fairly young or at least game and experience secondary, Big Ten and experience secondary, you probably got to say, all right, like 
that belongs in that conversation the same way we talk about offensive line at Illinois, the same way we talk about running back. Now, it's not on the level of some of those schools I named, but eventually the benefit of the doubt gets built. I think this is a season that Illinois secondary can build that benefit of the doubt. And you know what I find interesting about this corner group, and I'm adding Xavier Scott because he plays corner, but he practices a corner, but he plays nickel, um, is they're recruiting all these really long corners, right? We think of Sabor Kareem, Zachary Tobe, like all, all these get Toby. keep uh, messing that up. You were doing it right. I know, so I was long. doing it right. And then somebody got in my head. It was I like Fenelis. your shirt, too. Oh, the Look Space Jam? Yeah, Space Jam. I like to think of you, Duncan, like Michael Jordan. Anyway. You know me and that explosive <laughs> athleticism. That's part of me. Um, but, yeah, the, these guys are all under six foot. Like, they're recruiting all these six one plus DBs. And all these guys are under six foot. Taz Nicholson's 5'11". He's listed at 180 pounds. Tyler Strain, 5'9". They don't even they don't try to lie there because he is maybe 5'8", but he's he's gotten big, 190 pounds. Uh, and then Xavier Scott's 5'11", 180. But all these guys have that scrappiness. They have that feistiness. The coaching staff likes to say put their face in the fan. These guys are physical. They play beyond their size. Uh, and they're quick. I mean, that's the one thing about being a little smaller is you are really quick. Um, so it's interesting that all these guys kind of have that trait that we saw out of Tony Adams, Nate Hobbs, a little bit of Devin Witherspoon. But we saw Taz hit have some big hits last year. We saw Tyler Strain willing to put those hits on there. Uh, so they still seem to have that identity of what we've kind of figured of Illini cornerbacks the last three, four seasons. Yeah, absolutely. That's feels like that's a Florida defensive back thing. I feel like almost – you know, I think I've told you this, maybe even on here. When these kids commit, or you know, Illinois in the final, whatever for whoever, you go and look at their film, and a lot of the defensive backs, you feel like you're watching the tape from before right. with the way Illinois recruits the length and the way they go. There's not a lot of outliers. Like that is their thing. I don't remember anybody. I thought, yeah, he probably could could be a little more physical. Not with his coaching staff. It is pretty clear as day what they're after. Feistiness. That's that's the word I use uh, for for this DB group and. Antonio Finellis was one of those guys. You know, he's 5'9", isn't he? Like, really undersized when he was at Wisconsin and turned himself into a really good DB there. Yeah, I remember, I think it was him or Taz or somebody said, yeah, I kind of, Taz was indicating, like, I kind of talked to him because we're built pretty similarly and he had a nice career at Wisconsin alongside Aaron Henry. So, yeah, I mean, I I know height is a big thing, right? Like, measurables are measurables. You can't hide those, but... These guys play – they punch a little bit above their measurables in this Illinois secondary. I'll wrap up this conversation. It's kind of turning the corners conversation. They look, they sound pretty confident about their corners. Like, we'll get into the depth chart here, but of those starters who all have significant experience in big games last year, uh, they seem to have confidence in that group, Joey. They do. We haven't heard a lot of well and now some of that's training camp and there's nobody to push back on anything because right. we can't see it I'm, again new information here um but the, yeah they I, I keep looking at this group and, and taz nicholson being the oldest we'll see what what ultimately ends up with him after the season but there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to come back from this group and a lot of guys behind them it's fresh fresh freshmen redshirt freshmen like this could be kind of that start of the next wave and there's a lot of people in that wave but illinois needs them you know a handful of them to be good this year yeah the only guy of that group that would probably move on because I, I don't see tyler strain being that guy especially at five nine would be taz nicholson he's on the senior bowl watch list he's gotten some nfl buzz if he has a big year maybe he goes on to the nfl uh and that'd be a good thing you got all these corners and you got a bunch of talent behind them 
that would be a good thing. But, uh, you know, we got to see it still, but we have seen a little bit. And that's what gives me a little confidence in Strain, Nicholson, and Scott is we've seen these guys perform in some big games, went through some growing pains, but we've actually seen it. At safety, though, this is the big question. And it becomes a bigger question, Joey, because Matthew Bailey is going to miss at least the first game, at least probably the first two games. And I'm still of the mind of like, okay, coming back from a foot injury, the guy was in a boot for until a couple what, last week. Is he going to be 100% Matthew Bailey right away? I don't think it's a plug-and-play like Matthew Bailey is going to be what they thought Matthew Bailey was going to be if he plays against Penn State, which is the hope, I think. I think it's going to take some time. So how does that impact the safety spots? Go ahead, Joey. Well, we should spend a second talking just about what we know about Matthew Bailey and, and the foot injury. And Brett Bielema said there was a setback in the summer. We saw him go from scooter to crutches to he'd been in a walking boot through all those times. More, most recently, we saw him not in a walking boot. Brett Bielema said he started running. I do want to mention, and I'm with you, like the foot, you just don't know. But I, I Brett Bielema seems to have a lot of confidence that when Matthew Bailey's cleared, it's a pretty seamless at least mental transition because he's very, very smart about all of this to get him back there. So I just, I do wonder what the ramp up period looks like when that time comes and, and we don't know. So I don't want to you know make it sound like, yeah. Hey, Penn state, this guy's back. I, we don't know, but they do seem to have confidence that the ramp up period mentally won't be that long. There'll be a shorter runway. Well, yeah, the meds, cause he's, He's a coach in that room already, which is awesome for a sophomore. The way they talk about him is the way they call him Sid 2.0, but it's kind of what they talk about with Sidney Brown. I have no question he'll know what to do when he gets on the field. Right. Does he mentally trust his foot? Is his foot 100%? This is a guy who could be special. And Brett Bielema kind of mentioned this. like, There's a long-term impact here. So I, I don't think they should. I don't think they will rush him back if he's not 100%. So I, I'm just skeptical of him definitely being back for Penn State and him definitely being Matthew Bailey uh, at that point, especially when you're going to have guys with a couple games under their belts. Maybe they're the better option for a couple more weeks um, if Matthew Bailey's not completely back to being Matthew Bailey. So it's just a, a question that's going to linger going into the season. And you always seem to have one big injury. You hope this is the one. Um, but uh, Illinois did go into the transfer portal, Joey, heavily at this position and the Clayton Bush one both perked up our ears because like, wait, you've already taken Demetrius Hill. You've already gotten Nicario Harper in your program. Now it makes a lot more sense. And those three guys, along with the surprise of training camp, Miles Scott are going to play a big role. So how do you think this all settles out, Joey? I think, boy, I can't believe we're saying this because in the spring, I wouldn't have said this in the beginning of training camp. I wouldn't have said this. I think Miles Scott is their starting free safety against Toledo you've been on that for a little bit longer than I have I think it's pretty clearly trending that way uh, Brett Bielema said today he's, he's got 30 practices and in my mind I thought it's really not that much but he, they, they've been high on him they've been high on what he's shown his athleticism Aaron Henry said he's just as I think just as talented as as the two guys before him who had moved around Kirby Joseph Kendall Smith I think that's the lock of the safety room and then it becomes, how does Clayton Bush, how does Demetrius Hill, how, how do those reps get split up between those guys? I assume one of those guys is probably going to be in the dime package when they go that route. But what's, you know, I, those are the three players for two positions. When Matthew Bailey comes back, whatever that is, we'll see what that looks like. I would assume someone gets kicked over to free safety. Probably depends on how they're playing at that moment in time. But those are the three guys. I, I don't think there's any other names that I'm seriously looking at and saying, oh, I could see them being announced yeah. before the Toledo game as a starter. 
Yeah, in the spring, I would have thought Nakario Harper was the most likely to, if Matthew Bailey was playing free safety, to be the strong safety. And it just doesn't seem that's the case. We're speculating, but Brett Bioma said a safety is Xavier Scott's backup at nickel. We think Nakario Harper makes sense there. When he committed, I was hurt. I heard he could play that position, so that's why I speculate it could be him. But maybe he's just a two-deep guy for them uh, at, at that star position. Maybe it's strong safety. But at least you got somebody who's played at this level. Um, so these guys are all unproven for Illinois, especially Miles Scott. But Miles Scott's played football at this level, played some big roles at Michigan, right? Didn't he start that game? Or he played significant snaps at wide receiver at that game. But uh, we haven't seen him play at this position. But if there's one position where your wide receiver skills can help, go and track and get a ball, it's certainly this free safety position. And given what they have done at that position the last two years, with two guys who are pretty unknown commodities at that position, Kirby Joseph was a wide receiver at the end of Lovey Smith's last season, right? Or not the end, but the middle of it. Uh, and then they moved him back due to COVID and injuries. And then Kendall Smith was in the transfer portal before they brought him back and said, hey, Kirby's gone. You want the free safety spot? And after that first half at Indiana, we're like, is this going to work? And all of a sudden, he has five interceptions on the season. And Kirby Joseph has five interceptions. So you kind of give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, this coaching staff with that position. And they must be really impressed with Miles Scott to put him there. Yeah, I know. So I'm with you. I think Xavier Scott is going to be like the, the the breakout, but I think a lot of his is going to be like analytics that PFF is probably going to love him. I think the eye test and be like, dang, they don't, you know, he, he plays well at the eye test. I think if Miles Scott maintains that free safety spot through whenever Matthew Bailey's return is, I think that could be a guy who passes the number test. And a lot of people are like, who do we have here? Who, who is this guy? Like, I think he's got because that position generates a ton of turnovers. Everything filters there, right? Like, everything seems to be funneled into that free safety position where there's so much freedom, at least when they're running so much man. And that's, that's a conversation we'll get into. Um, that he's got the freedom to just kind of read the quarterback's eyes, read where everything's going, read the play, and just go on a deep ball and make the play. Um, and they're pretty good at it. I mean, outside of Kendall getting beat deep against Indiana – a few times those guys were incredibly consistent and making sure nothing got over them and making sure they made a play on the ball so miles scott must be showing some similar things uh as for the other position demetrius hill looks the part i mean he he looks like matthew bailey uh, physically he's 6'2 200 pounds looks like he can come up and make a play sounds like he's really intelligent from what the staff says and obviously he was a freshman all-american at florida international but Brett Bielma raves about Clayton Bush uh, as well. So I think both those guys are going to play. It'll be interesting to see who gets to start. I saw one practice where Clayton Bush came in with the first team, so maybe it's him. But I think both those guys are going to get significant playing time. And both those guys have had significant Division One experience. It just hasn't been at the Big Ten level. Yeah, which is the way – it's, it's kind of crazy this is how it's shaped out. Because when they landed Demetrius Hill, that was like a holy smokes. Freshman All-American – at a position that we thought free safety, which may still end up being the case down the road, we know we can play both. We thought, man, this could be the next, you know, kind of a longer term, not just one year stoppers there at free safety. Like, this could be the guy. And then they go and get Clayton Bush. And let's be honest, like, it did not make the waves that Demetrius Hill did. It just didn't. He played at SIU. He started at Western Kentucky. Just didn't didn't generate that interest. I understand it. And the timing was weird. It was after they had taken one. There's a lot of what in the world. And then Brett Bielema stands up there and just, I mean, screams from the rooftops that he loves this kid. He said, if I had him for 
you know, two more years or two years. I, we're talking about a high draft pick. His, he shows. I mean, he's athletic. Like, that all shows up on film. He go up. He's got good ball skills. But he's a guy who I just didn't think when, when they got that commitment. And, again, we didn't know the severity of Matthew Bailey's injury. But I didn't think that this would be the discussion we were having on August 25th. Yeah, we'll dive into our expectations of these guys. Uh, and to be honest with you, there's more guesswork uh, about these guys because we haven't seen them that much on the field uh, for Illinois and haven't seen training camp. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into that here in a little bit, and we'll dive into the depth chart. But first, I want to tell everybody, this episode of the On Inquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path isn't always clear. This can be with some major life changes, going away to college, hitting the real world on your own, relationships with significant others, or if you're struggling as a parent. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So all you got to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you guys don't mesh, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illini today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Illini. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, let's dive into the depth chart here, Joey. And it's an interesting one. Again, like the backup cornerbacks, I don't really have a read on. Uh, there, there's so many names here, so many talents. We would have thought the Juco additions, Caleb Patterson and Prince Ford, will be in this mix because they're mature. But there's a really talented group of freshmen here as well. When you look at Sabor Kareem, a four-star prospect, Zachary Toby. I mean, you've seen him up close. 6'2", 185 pounds, really physically impressive, had good film as a high school prospect. Elijah McCantos is in his second year. Really liked him as a prospect. Jaheim Clark comes into the program. Uh, Tyson Rooks, we don't know if he's playing corner or star. He was playing star in the spring. I'm I, I'm wondering who gets in that two deep because one of those guys, two of those guys, probably going to have to play at corner this year. Yeah, I tried to fish around a little bit. Uh, in the last 10 days or so to see who maybe was there. And I wasn't getting anything. So either not really worth sharing or they're still sorting it out. I, I don't know. Uh, Elijah McCantos, I, I asked Antonio Finales about him. He's really, really excited about him. He's a guy who, again, as you mentioned, had pretty good tape, thought he could be someone. He came in, he had shoulder surgery in the spring. Remember, he wasn't able to practice his first spring. 
ended up redshirting, played a, maybe very, very, very sparingly. But he's a guy, I mean, when you're talking freshmen, true freshmen, or you're talking incoming JUCO guys, my mind, even if you're talking like short of Isaiah Adams and Zai Chrysler, like you would, I tend to go to the guy who's got a year in the system, who's had a year with Tank Wright. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I don't want to write off Elijah McCantos because I think, like, I don't think he got less talented in the last year. And I, I think if it's between a true freshman who they have some talented ones, like a guy makes sense who's been with Aaron Henry attached. We've seen him around those coaches. He's attached to their hip. Yeah. He's very, very um, connected with them. There's a good communication. So he would be a guy, but I don't, I don't know how much confidence I can say that with. Yeah, and then, you know, you bring in Juco guys to give you immediate depth. So, I mean, you wrote Prince Ford in one of your 10 potential impact depth guys. I mean, he's a junior, right? I, I know he's a little thinner, a little smaller than a lot of guys, but we talked about it. Some of these corners are pretty thin and pretty small. Caleb Patterson's a guy that got here in the spring. Uh, but f- when we watched spring ball from everything I saw was pretty much in the third team. I, I noted that Toby, when we watched spring scrimmages, was notably getting some second team reps in front of him. Now, Patterson got some second team reps too. But we haven't just heard – we just haven't heard his name be mentioned a lot. And, and that's something you always want to hear. But they don't talk a lot about the, the group of, of DBs behind. So it's, a, it's an intense competition, it seems like. So – it's one of the more fascinating deeper dives I'll be looking at uh, during the opener to see who rotates in at cornerback and at Starks. I'm not quite sure who that's going to be quite yet, but there is talent there. It's just it's very green, uh, and it's just kind of a, a muddled mess because there's, there's 10 scholarship corners on this team. That is a good number of them. Do you ever go full conspiracy and think, maybe they're just not mentioning people? I don't think that's the case with Caleb Patterson because we saw this spring. Mm-hmm. And remember, he was only a JUCO for one year. If I'm not mistaken, so he's effectively, I mean, sophomore, but you know, redshirt freshman. However, you want to look at that, definitely a sophomore by age. But I do wonder, like, are they not telling us people because we're going to be like, you know, I don't think they would have said heads or tails of Matthew Bailey last year had we not been in all that practice, right? Um, Caleb Patterson. I don't don't think that's the case with Patterson. Just to to hit that home, physically really impressive, Caleb Patterson. Um, But when they added Prince Ford, I was kind of like, hmm. Maybe they maybe they don't feel he's ready. So yeah, yeah. Dude, Brian Winhorse haven't done that a while on the podcast. All right, depth chart at safety. Um, you know, like we we kind of mentioned the guys that would be in there. One guy we kind of noted during the spring that kind of got with the first team a little bit was T.J. Griffin. Uh, so he might be a depth guy to look beyond. But I, I think it's going to be a rotation of Bush Hill. Um, obviously, if Bailey comes back, he'll he'll be in that mix. And then you got Miles Scott in there. Uh, I don't know if any of these corners are going to move back to safety, but Solo Turner, is he the next guy on the depth chart? Mario Harper still in that mix. Yeah. We'll see if he plays star or not, but there's some older guys in there. But uh, it's it's noticeable to me that most of the freshman DBs came in and played corner. The other guy I need to mention is Mac Rosetich because he's gotten some buzz from the coaching staff. Now, Bielma didn't really seem to say he was going to be in the two deep at safety, but a late addition to the class from in-state, so you get some Matthew Bailey vibes when they start talking about him, but I think he's a guy who could play special teams for Illinois. So I would imagine I would imagine he's a top six guy in their safety rotation. Yeah, he. I mean, Brett Bielma said, I don't know how something along the lines of, don't know how much he'll help us on the line of scrimmage, which means to, if he's talking about him, it's not the line of scrimmage, it's special teams. 
and we'll see what that ultimately looks like. But yeah, that's a good point that a lot of those, remember the recruiting podcast we talked about, it's like we didn't really have the greatest feel where some of these guys were going to play. Even I remember we had Sabor Kareem on. He said, I'm going to start a corner. And you and I were kind of like, I mean, all right. But I, I still think if he would have gone to safety day one, I would have said, oh, yeah, duh. But the fact that they funneled a lot of those guys there is interesting. Similar in the way we talked about adding Clayton Bush, Prince Ford edition, interesting, right? You, you've got to look at, at why and where and the timing, especially on some of these. But yeah, I, I think you named the names, and I think that's spot on. I, I'm really curious when Matthew Bailey comes back, how they work him in, because I don't think it's a season thing. Um, that's not the vibe we've gotten. But what if everyone's playing pretty well? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. All right. So what are your expectations for this group, Joey? Well, probably not like it was last year, even though, we, as I mentioned, we were pretty embarrassingly low on what this ended up being. Yeah, so last year, <laughs> Illinois led in scoring defense, interceptions 24, takeaways 32, passing efficiency defense 92.64 was their number. Just the next closest was Penn State at 103.24. Penn State's number was ridiculous. Illinois' was even more ridiculous at 92.64. That's not happening again. No, but I still think this is a top five Big Ten defense in total. Yeah. Uh, see, I want to go overly conservative on it and say like a top seven. I think I think it's a top half secondary. I think the scheme, the, some of the experience they have coming back, the way they're talking about some of these guys, I think it's a top half. Uh, could it get up into that four or five range? I don't know. It helps that you would assume there's going to be a lot of hands and faces in the face of opposing quarterbacks. Yep. So, top half defense. I, I think that's where I land in the Big Ten. I still think this group's going to have a lot of takeaways, right? I, I think they're going to have many takeaways because I think the front seven's going to be very good. Or front, I guess we should say, there's five defensive backs usually on the field for Illinois. The front six, the front five, whatever it's going to be, is going to be very good. Uh, so, I think they're going to have plenty of opportunities for takeaways. And I think this defense is built for that. The question I have is I, I just think they're going to give up more completions. I think they're going to give up more yards per completion. I think they're going to make more mistakes, and that include that leads to bigger plays. So I just don't think they're going to be as consistent. Uh, I think Illinois is going to give up more points this year. I got my season prediction coming out, and the scoring defense takes quite a hit, but it has to. <laughs> like they're not going to be twelve point eight points a game again this year, unless this secondary just absolutely surprises us. But given the relative inexperience, given the talent that you lost in this room and, and given that these guys got to play together like let's be, Devin Witherspoon Sidney Brown uh and you know Quan Martin how how many reps did they have together at Illinois it's like three or four seasons of them playing together these guys are all kind of still getting used to each other and, and we've seen in the past whether it was under Lovey Smith or under Brett Bielma like Tony Adams and that that first group didn't go so well at the beginning of it, right? But then they finally figured it out, got got some reps under them, communication got better. Um, and I think Aaron Henry's really good at his job. And I would imagine Brett Bielma hires Antonio Finellis because he's pretty good at his job. But replacing Ryan Walters is not easy. Like, we, we can we can say that because he's very good at what he did at Illinois. Yeah, I'm with you. The completion thing I want to bring up because you touched on it earlier. I want to pick your brain. Are they going to play as much man? That's where I was going to. A year ago? Yeah. Look at that. Really figuring this out. Yeah, a couple no, years of rep here. Yeah, it's kind of what I was going to because it's it's hard for college quarterbacks to throw into press coverage against pros, right? It, it it just is. But can you run that press coverage without Devin Witherspoon and Quan Martin? 
um, and Tony Adams, right? Like, Taz showed he can do it. Tower Strain showed at times he can do it. Xavier Scott, they seem to have. So maybe maybe they run more, but they ran the most man coverage in college football last year. I think it was 70% of the time. And Aaron Henry's basically mentioned it, right? Like, probably won't run as much this year. And, and Jerry DiNardo mentioned it on the BTN show because I think he talked to the staff about it. But they're still going to be a man team, an aggressive team. It's just can you do it as much as you did last year? Uh, that remains to be seen. And, and just do it as well. I, I just don't think that's a realistic expectation. That said, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a solid secondary at the worst. Like, I just think this is what Illinois does well. They got guys with experience, guys who have been tested, and Aaron Henry has proven pretty good at the development thing, as has the rest of this defensive staff. Yeah, and I think they've also proven that they're not going to try to put a square peg in a round hole. I don't think they're, like, to the final point about press coverage, I don't think Aaron Henry's standing on a table saying, come hell or high water, we're going to run this. Like, that's just not how they do it. They're going to run what they need to run, and if – if in a couple games you see like man maybe maybe this is possible here you'll see it more and it might be one of those things you see more and more i know i've said that about a few position groups but i think this staff has proven that they're willing to evolve over the course of a year they're willing to change things i think a lot of it's natural progression so we'll see but yeah i i don't have reason to think this is going to turn into you know i'm looking at this big 10 pass defense last year I think it's going to be Maryland at 223, right? Like, I don't think those it's going to completely go from 1 to 10 or anything like that. It'll be a top half because I, th- I think there's really smart coaches there. They've recruited well. They know what they're – they play to what they recruit to, and they have a very, very clear plan on the recruiting trail. just might take some time, and it might be some growing pains. And there might be games where it's like, goodness – I don't think it'll be Virginia 21, right? But I but I don't think it's going to be Virginia 22 either. Yeah, and that's what's going to be very interesting about this for me, Joey, because they're going to be tested right away. Toledo, Daquan Finn, pretty good Mac quarterback. I'm, I'm more concerned with his legs than his, his arm. He's a little inefficient as a passer. But, boy, Jalen Daniels in Kansas, that is a huge test for Aaron Henry in this, you know, relatively inexperienced uh, new-look secondary right away Penn State like I expect them to run the ball expect them to be great defensively Drew Auer's going to have to prove himself but he's a five-star prospect Penn State's really really talented those are some big tests right away in Hudson Card in week five uh, Tom Herman in week four with his offense in Fort Atlantic we're going to learn a lot about this group right away and and the injury to Matthew Bailey is a concern for what was already a concern for this team like this and quarterback are still my biggest unknowns about this team, the passing offense and the passing defense. Those are my two biggest unknowns about the team. Now, in the Big Ten, I'd rather have those be the questions than the lines of scrimmage. Uh, so I think Illinois really got that going for them. But this this position still is a question mark, even if I don't think like they're jumping off a cliff here. Yeah, both things can be true. I want to ask you, though, like what – say the first five games, all those programs that you mentioned – what do you look at out of there and say, okay, they passed? Or, or they – like, what? what is passing and what is kind of treading water to you out of those first five games? Because I think after that, you'll there'll be the experience that maybe yeah. it's not as prominent. Yeah, and you got – like, Maryland, I think, is a really tough matchup for them. Um, there's some decent passing teams. But those are some of the toughest teams uh, with the passing attacks that you have on your schedule because Minnesota and Nebraska, I just don't think are at that level. Northwestern obviously has been struggling with that for a long time. I hate this easy out Joey, but it's winning games because I do feel like against Kansas, 
this is a big weakness. Like this group is a big unknown and a and one of the reasons I think that game could be tough is because their matchup against you, now you have a good matchup in the trenches in their run game against a Kansas defense that was atrocious last year. But that that is a concern for me in in that game. And the other thing is they don't have to be what last year was, right? Like if that outside linebacker group takes the leap, if the defensive line is as good as last year or better as they should be with another year of experience, they don't have to be last year. So they don't have to be Devin Witherspoon. They don't have to do those things. I think the staff will scheme it that way. Um, but that they just have to be solid. Like, don't give up – don't miss assignments. Like, And we can see that, right? Like we saw the whole Lovey Smith era of a lot of missed assignments of guys looking at each other like, what are you doing on that play? Like all that. It's been cut with this group, but don't miss tackles. Don't miss assignments. Don't have uh, busts in, in the secondary. Those are things I want to see. Um, you know, last year against Indiana, we saw some of those things crop up, um, both at the end of the game and in that first half with some big plays. This team didn't give up big plays last year, um, and, and it made things really difficult, especially when you have that good of a defensive front. That's my biggest thing. Don't give up those those misplays with – what do they call them? MAs? Miss assignments? Miss assignments, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, you. That's the easiest one to know. Like, I remember the post-game Indiana pod. It was like, oh, boy. Kendall Smith had a fine second half. That was a tough first half for him. I think you're going to see that probably this year. I'm not saying Miles Scott because it's a one-to-one position. Some, there's going to be tough drives, multiple tough possessions because you guys are learning on the fly. But I think I do think there's a way that it settles out midway through the year. Yeah, we're going out 40 minutes on one group, but I think this is the group that we had to talk about uh, this much just because there are so many questions uh, going into it. So last year – you combine the secondary, they had 17, 18, 20, 23 interceptions? 23, yeah. Wow. That's Keith Randolph. Keith Randolph, the only other one. No linebacker interceptions last year. No, 24. Sorry, 24. Well, they had 24 interceptions. Yes, yeah, yeah, 23 by the secondary and one surprisingly by Keith Randolph. Should have taken it to the house. Um, over, under interceptions, what would you set it at for this group? Like it's way lower, right? Fourteen yeah. and a half. Is that that's high? <laughs> that's a really high number. Okay, so like let's just for reference point. Illinois led the Big Ten twenty four. Wisconsin was second in the Big Ten seventeen. <laughs> Purdue and Iowa were tied at third with fifteen. Iowa, Minnesota, yeah. Penn State, Michigan okay. tied at fourth with fourteen. How about th- the only other team to have more than nine was Ohio State? Yeah, and you had Sidney Brown with six, and he went on an absolute heater. Late in the season, Northwestern. Yeah. Northwestern, Northwestern helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kendall Smith had five, mostly at the beginning of the year. Um, wow, is it twelve and a half? Is it thirteen and a half? Is thirteen and a half feels like a right number? Thirteen and a half for the secondary, probably. just for the secondary. Thirteen and a half. They go over that top half of the Big Ten from last year, and, and probably if I went back a little further and looked, it'd probably be multiple years. So if I said thirteen thir- and a half feels right, would you say over or under that? Heck, I think you asked me that. Uh, <laughs> I'd probably go under because six and five from your safeties? That's ridiculous. And then each of your corner, like Devin had three. Tyler Strain had two as a backup. Quan had three. Like those are, I'd go under that. How many do you give just to safeties alone? Let's say Miles Scott, and let's just, for what we know, no Matthew Bailey right now. So for what we know. Six? 
You give six, yeah. So are there seven elsewhere? <laughs> I think you can get linebackers more involved this year. Um, and the thing is, like, I think the, the we nickel... might be low on the free safety too. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. There's a body of work that says that position alone is worth four and a half. Right. Yeah. I would so, take under 13 and a half. And they someone could still be a, good. Someone put the over under. I've got them all pulled up here. Some of these are not good. I, I, uh, someone I, said it at 12 and a half. That's a good, that's a good number. I'd probably good go. Number. Yeah. That's a really good number. 13 and a half thinks a good number. Cause I, my first thought was 14 and a half. I felt like a significant enough decrease and then putting it into perspective for the rest of the big 10 was good. Cause it's like that 24 was a ridiculous number. It just shows how good they were last year. That's what three top 70 picks in the NFL draft and four training camp invitees will do for you. But they helped Kirby Joseph and Tony Adams become NFL players as well with good seasons. So we do expect them to be uh, take steps forward. All right, before we dive into the specials, I want to tell you about Homefield. They're a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis, and they emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, your favorite, the University of Illinois. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos and iconic moments to create fully, uh, thoughtfully designed apparel they got the script illinois they got the ringer t with the orange on it the 2005 Illini basketball go back to the flying illini or even the rose bowl champs uh back in i think it was 1951 there uh the 80s Illini football helmet and so many more and it's so comfortable guys the the shirts are so comfortable so give their site a look it's not typical illinois gear you usually see and you can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their collection of colleges available and guess what our listeners on the Illini Inquirer podcast get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. Again, use discount code Illini23 at homefieldapparel.com to get 15% off your first order. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Joey, let's talk about a group that hurt Illinois last year, I think we can say, because uh, the special teams took a a step back, especially with their lack of consistency, uh, particularly in the punting game. There were some returns they gave up that hurt them. The one against Minnesota didn't end up hurting them, but cost them the lead at one point in that game. A return against Michigan led to a key field goal. 
in the fourth quarter, and we know the punting was uh, an issue last year with the lack of consistency. But my big storyline is we kind of overlooked this, but Robbie Disher is the third special teams coordinator in three years for Brett Bielma. Obviously, Ben Miller's health issues have been a part of that, and Ben now part of the program as the head coach analyst, and uh, we wish him nothing but uh, the best as he continues to fight cancer here. But it seems like there's been more positive news with that recently. But Robbie Disher brought in from Tulane, which Willie Fritz, usually pretty good at special teams, Joey, uh, seemed like a really strong hire on paper. Yeah, it did. And Willie Fritz turned over special teams to Robbie Disher, which isn't – like, if you're hearing that, you probably think, okay. Yeah. But that's like Willie Fritz's deal is special teams. So for him to turn that over and have that trust in Robbie Disher, who's built a pretty good resume in a short amount of time as a special teams coordinator. But to your point, I talked to Hugh Robertson, when I know we'll get into him. This is for special teams coordinator. Yeah. He went from Bob Ligaszewski to Ben Miller to Sean Snyder to Robbie Disher. Like, that is a ton of turnover. It's a lot of different ideas, a lot of different philosophies. Not to say, well, that's why Hugh struggled last year, but there's just a lot – there's just not been a lot of consistency there. Uh, I think the, the hope for them, obviously, is Robbie Disher solidifies that consistency, but it's a good hire. Uh, seems like he's resonated well with that group. Those guys seem to really like being in his meetings, really like – what he's pitching and how he teaches it and they're buying into that. Uh, so, I mean, I, this looks like a good one. This really does. I know special teams coordinator isn't the flashiest hire ever to come across to a news cycle, but it looks like Brett Bielema to pull him away from Willie Fritz. Like that's a mentor to him. Willie so Fritz is a heck away, of a coach. Yeah, Willie Fritz is a heck of a coach. I mean, Tulane was really good last year, but he's just been so consistent. He's won at every level of college football. Kind of has that Lance Leipold thing going for him, Jerry Kill thing going for him. Uh, I do want to mention Chris Hurd, special teams analyst. Obviously, he can't coach on the field, but plays a role in that special teams. Max Rosenthal is a special teams quality control coach. Um, so grad assistants always come in big here um, because they get some more hands-on training sometimes with some of these guys. So I want to mention um, them, but – this is a group that wasn't great last year. And let's talk about the kicking, though. Caleb Griffin did, you know, start off rough. You know, four of eight in his first three games. Two of those games were not very good. I know he had some longer field goals there. But this is a big break, and he struggled out of the gates. But really, after his injury, uh, had a hip injury last year, really settled in. And, and listen, Fabrizio Pintone, there's a question. Is he going to steal the job after making seven straight field goals in really important games? Iowa hits three field goals. Minnesota hits four field goals. Like, if he didn't make those, the red zone issues would have been even bigger for Illinois last year. Uh, so that kicking game was really good. Caleb made 10 of his last 11. The only miss he had was 50-plus yards, I think, against Mississippi State. Uh, so he really solidified himself. We'll talk about David Alano. But I feel like with those two, David Alano and Caleb Griffin, uh, you return two pretty good uh, kickers. You feel good about your kicker game, especially with Pintone involved in all of that. Uh, but Disher, I'm interested to see how he handles things because Sean Snyder came in and was all about aggression. It's it's all about aggr- we're going to be aggressive on kickoffs. We're going to change the game here. And Disher seems to have a similar thing, but midway through last year, Brett Bielman notably got a lot more conservative with not taking many kickoffs, just catch the ball on punt returns. It felt like there was a change midseason a little bit with the way they handled their special teams. Yeah, I'm with you. Real quick, I want to make one more point. The bigger place that you missed Caleb Griffin last year when he was out was kickoffs. It was not good without him. It was really tough. Um, Yeah, that was a whole 
whole deal, right? Sean Snyder going to be more aggressive. Isaiah Williams, you've seen back there. They kick it off with a bang with Peyton Vining. And you think, all right, maybe they will. And then there was auto waving to everybody in the stands after that on punt. And, and that aggression went away. Brett Bielema, he, I, he hasn't shared what specifically they are, but he's got his own special teams philosophies. And he has mentioned now it's, it's merging those ideas with uh, Robbie Disher. I tend to think that you bring in someone with Robbie Disher's pedigree and background, and he's probably going to have a very, very, very good say. Like, I, I don't think the thought should be, oh, well, it's Bielema's special teams don't. You know, there's not going to be very aggressive. I think you bring in Robbie Disher with the plan to let him cook. Really put his you let him cook. There it is. Uh, so I, I that is really interesting to me. But they haven't really. Maybe we haven't asked. I guess I'm trying to. We've talked to a lot of people at this point. Um, I, they haven't really said aggression on. You know, that's not yeah. been the vibe given off. But I think a lot of it is that like they're very sound in coverage. Robbie Disher's teams are very good kick cover, punt cover, and we'll see you know we'll see what the, that aggression looks like but they've got the guys back there at those positions to make you think they don't have a t- if they just want to wave they can put caleb griffin back there to catch it yeah you're putting isaiah williams back there at punt returner i expect him to be the starting punt returner you do that because you want him to change the game and, and robbie disher has said kick return punt return those are the first plays on offense coverage are the first plays on defense so you you, I don't think you're going to be that conservative. And Pat Bryant's a kick returner, right? Reggie Love is in the mix, probably a top three guy as a kick returner. So they're investing some key playmakers at, at those positions. Aiden Loffrey sounds like he's worked his way in, which would be great. I think that's a way to get him on the field, use his speed. And I think that'd be ideal is to get him involved. But it's Isaiah Williams back as your punt returner. It's Pat Bryant, Reggie Love, Aiden Loffrey is, is your kick returners. Like, you know, they're not just putting random guy back there. Um, and let's be honest, like some of those returns, like, Peyton Vining was awful against Michigan State. There, there were two botched uh, kick returns, and that hurt you. It didn't cost you, like, didn't single-handedly cost you the game, but special teams was a huge issue there with, with Hugh Robertson having struggles. We know Indiana, Hugh Robertson struggles. And this team, according to ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, dropped from number 28 in special teams efficiency in 2021. We expected a decline if it was Blake Hayes and James McCord to number 89 last year. And with how close some of those games were, Joey, uh, some of those losses were, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, you can't have that. And really, I didn't get the sense that, you know, Brett Bielema announced, I think it was signing day, and Ben Miller spoke with us that he wasn't around or he, he wouldn't be in that position. I didn't get the sense that Sean Snyder was much of a thought to bring back. It was like, yep, he's already not with the program. We're, we're moving on to find somebody else. And maybe Sean just wanted a one-year deal, but the, the, the production wasn't there. Right. Like the, the, there was no production that you'd really have to try to talk him in if he just wanted one year. And so then, yeah, that, that's got to take a step forward, dude. And then Illinois investing two scholarships into 2023 guys was uh, a sign that, yeah, this is, this is an issue. We need to address it. And we need to add some competition as well. All right, the big question for me, because no matter who is the kicker, I, I feel like you got a pretty good option there. Um, I feel like the return game, you know who the options are. Uh, they seem to know who their coverage guys are going to be, and Illinois has done a pretty good job of that the last couple of years. But Hugh Robertson, does he just find consistency? You don't need to be Blake Hayes, but do you find consistency? Because, boy, he was a part of losses. He was. I love Hugh. I love talking to him. I love the story. Great dude. But that was a f- struggle of a first year. When you look at Indiana, you look at Michigan State kicking into a an opponent, you know, your blocker's butt, like – 
those things really cost Illinois in these close games and these these opportunities that can shift like that. But he also closed the season strong, and it looked like he was building on something, averaging 44 point yards per punt on 20 punts during the last four games. Remember he had that 23-yard first down against Northwestern. He ended the season well, and then when we did get to see him in the spring, he looked really good. Yeah, so let's break down what we know here. Brett Bielema set up media day, the program media day, that Caleb Griffin had started punting. He had done that before. He took a break from it when Hugh got there. There's Hugh and Blake Hayes. He's doing that again. They've managed his kicking in a way that he's not kicking a 1,000 field goals and kickoffs and, and punting all on the same day. They, they've done a way to manage that. But I, I get the sense, and I'm curious what you think. Like, I think this is Hugh Robertson's job. Like, I think, the, the, obviously, when Brett Bielma says that, the question is, well, he's gone, or the thought is yes. he's gone. Caleb Griffin's a punter. I think this is Hugh Robertson's job. I think Caleb Griffin's resuming punting does two things. It, one, helps you on the travel roster. You can travel Caleb Griffin, and if, if something happens to Hugh, if he's inconsistent, if he gets hurt, you've got a backup punter without having to take Declan Dooley or Fabrizio Pintone. And maybe you already take Pintone. I don't know. But, but, number but that two, allows you to take maybe another guy who can contribute on special teams or another right. guy, a freshman that you're trying to get a little bit of that experience of, of maybe being in a big building like that. Uh, if you don't have to travel for specialists, you don't want to. I totally agree with you. I have nothing to add to, to, add to that. The only thing I want to add is I do think Hugh Robertson doesn't have a very long leash. Yeah. Like, I think if he has Indiana again, they might look somewhere else. Like, in that time of the season. Now, I'm not saying one punt, they're, they're gone with them. But they didn't have a ton of options there last year, especially when you factor in that Caleb Griffin was hurt. And you, Pintone, who sounds like the backup punter as well, and you know, they've got, like, a collection of backup punters. Well, like, we saw – I've seen Pintone punt. Hugh Robertson's much better. It's just about consistency. And I don't know this, but Hugh talked a lot last year about how Snyder was changing the way he punts. And it feels like that got in his head. And for a guy who was making his first real contribution, maybe that was a mistake. Um, Now, I haven't done tons of reporting on that, but I just thought it was notable. And then late in the year, he seemed to really settle in, find his confidence, and listen, he's a mature guy, and he understands, like, yeah, that sucked. That really sucked to to do those things and to make those mistakes. But I tried to get better from it, and I tried to take those things to make me better moving forward. And he did. He got better. So I, I think he's by easily the punter. Uh, I don't think it's a question. And now it's just about, hey, eliminate those huge mistakes. Like, a 35-yard punt every once in a while is fine. No 12-yard shanks. No punting into your blocker. Like, those things absolutely cannot happen at this level but when he's good man like he pins him inside the 10 he's he's re- he's got a really high ceiling and we saw towards the end of the year looked like a middle of the pack big 10 punter and i'll mention declan dooley here because i know fans are really excited about what he can bring really impressive kid really impressive leg robbie disher says punters usually take more time to develop and he talked about hang time is the most important thing i want to turn his his leg power into a little bit more hang time because that's what it's about man uh, is, is being able to get your coverage guys down there so that they don't have a chance at a return rather than having a 20 yard head start into it so sounds like he's going to have a year to develop um, and then maybe has a job to to push Hugh Robertson next year yep I agree with all that I, I just wonder how long like what's the win, what's the leash here for Hugh Robertson if he struggles again but there were times like you said he looked good like he had punts the Iowa game, he was awesome. 
Mm-hmm. He was awesome in that Iowa game. Like this isn't like a case of a guy who was not good all year. He had flashes. Was like, all right, Mississippi like State. He was fantastic. Like the bowl game, he was great. Um, all right, depth chart. I'll just bring up the question: Does David Alano beat out Caleb Griffin? What do you put the odds at? <laughs> Can we just talk about like that's the question we're talking about? Hugh Robertson's got the job. It's Hugh's job, and now we're talking about Caleb Griffin, who was good last. Year. All Big Ten honorable mention: Caleb Griffin. Does he win Which the job? Is more a testament to how good we yes. think David Alano is, and how good we think he's looked. And we've actually seen that in training camp. Yeah. Like we—that's one thing we've been able to see consistently—is kicking and special teams. And David Alano has been impressive when we've seen. Him. Also, yes, I think Caleb Griffin wins the job. I like I get, I get David Alano. If he won it, it'd be a fun story, and people would rah rah that. And, and okay, cool. Four years of this guy. I think Caleb Griffin wins the job. And yeah. if he doesn't, then you should be very happy you're going to get David Alano for a while. But I surely do think it's Caleb. Uh, I think Caleb, no, no matter what's going to be the kickoff guy, um, no matter what happens. But if he did struggle, what's the leash? Because David Alano's looking pretty good. But Griffin's been there, done it. I, it's just a way to talk about David Alano looks really good. And the fact that Robbie Disher's saying, man, he's pushing him. He's making our job difficult. But I do think Caleb Griffin is going to win that job. But kicker kicker position looks like it's going to be pretty good for a while. I mean, you go from Chase McLaughlin to James McCourt to Caleb Griffin to David Alano, that's pretty dang good. And then Fabrizio Pintone, who if you get within 40 yards, seems to make it. Yeah, I do wonder. Alano's got some leg on him. Could he be a guy they dialed up for if it was plus 50s? If it's further than 50, do you send Alano out there? Not to say Caleb Griffin cannot, but, I mean, Alano's not a big dude, but he's got a big leg. If the over-under field goal attempts were 0.5 for Dave Alano, I'm going to go over. I think they get him in a little bit. Well, I'm glad you asked that. I've shared a Google Doc with you, Jeremy. Is that on there? Okay. It is. I'm excited. Uh, See, if I type, it's apparently loud. You tell me. Two and a half was the over-under submitted to us. Ooh, that's a good number. That's a really good number. That's See, funny. I like that some of these, I don't know, I'm not going to change, but some of these are really good numbers, yeah. and I don't like that because i got to do more work and i got to think more. Yeah. Give me the easy ones. What are your expectations for special teams, Joey? Last year, inconsistency, and it was a problem. Overall season, it was a problem. There were times it was really good with the kicking and the punting, but it was just so inconsistent. Yeah, I think it'll be more consistent. I don't think, and I say that, I mean, I don't think it's going to cost you a game. It cost them a game last year. I don't think Brett Bielema, the way he's constructed, adding the two scholarship kickers or the two scholarship specialists, having Caleb Griffin maybe revisit the punt, I think he's positioned himself to not let it cost them a game this year. Yeah. And I think Hugh Robertson will be better. So I think they'll be better. I, I, they're going to climb up from that ESPN number that they had because I think their coverage is going to be good. I think they have guys bought into kick coverage, bought into punt coverage, who are going to be good. James That's Cruz. Not, <laughs> James Cruz is going to—he's going to get a highlight for eviscerating someone on return, right? Who's the DBs who shine on this side? Like I can see Elijah McCantos. Yeah, Macrosetich, McCantos, because this is a great proving ground. Tyson Rooks, Sabor Kareem. This is always anyone a- who's used a red shirt is probably going to be a twelve-game f- core four. Yeah, and I, I can see a guy like Sabor Kareem potentially being in that, like Malik Elsey. Mm-hmm. I, I can see him being on something like that. But this is where guys like can really 
start their career. I mean, Kirby Joseph was a phenomenal special teams player before he did this. I mean, Taylon Lightsey was phenomenal the last couple of years in, in coverage. Um, TJ Griffin, I think of these some of these gunners that can make plays. Ryan Mead, yeah. So just some of those guys I want to shout out that Nakari Harper might be on that yep. list. Yeah, I know. I know the coverage of it doesn't get as much attention. Like you only notice the coverage if it's terrible at Iowa 2021, the Michigan return. But I think that's going to be a pretty solid unit. I think Robbie Disher's got a body of work. They've got dudes bought in. They've got athletic guys bought in. I think that'll be fine. I think the the actual kicking, the punting, they'll be better. And kicking was fine last year. I just don't think. I don't. I think they're positioned well enough to not get burned by this again. All right. Um, I think this is so important. I think special teams is so important. Because I, I, when I filled out my season prediction, I mean, so many of these games look like toss-ups. So many of these games. With the schedule you have, you can win every game, but you can also lose every game. So many of these become toss-ups, and special teams play such a big role. We saw that play out last year in a negative way uh, for the most part. We saw it maybe in a positive way the year before. Um play out in, in a good way because their kicking and punting was was so good but it's so key like if you want to win a lot of these close games you got to have an edge on special teams and to be honest with you a team that illinois aspires to be like a program like iowa they never seem to screw up these games on special teams and, and usually sometimes win them on special teams with big plays over under 0.5 return touchdowns for illinois <laughs> I'm going under because I got a decade history of not yeah, seeing a return yeah. touchdown. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think I can reasonably project one. Viangelo um, Bentley remains the answer to a great trivia question. The last line I'd have a punt and kick return in this, in uh, for Illinois was Viangelo Bentley in 2013. They did have a special teams touchdown. Is that last year when Bailey picked it up in the end zone? No. That they had was a block. Nebraska 20, that was Nebraska 21. They had a yeah, and it wasn't Bailey, obviously. It's Kirby, I think. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, perhaps if David Alano hits a game winner. I keep going back. Ever. Like, ever. Not this year. Remember they dogpiled James McCourt after Wisconsin? He almost died. Perhaps lift <laughs> Mr. Alano up. <laughs> Do not dogpile him. A friendly message for the safety of David Alano. Yes. Or Caleb Griffin, whoever it happens to be. Caleb, Caleb Griffin. Caleb Griffin big is dude. big enough that I think he would be okay. I I was just watching something. I'd feel more comfortable if they lifted David Alano. Uh, David Alano listed 5'11", 170. That is generous. <laughs> <laughs> Love David. Love David. Yeah, it feels a little tad generous. Great quote. A heck of a kicker. Great kid. If he is 5'11", 170, I will be surprised. Yeah. All right, that'll wrap it up. Good stuff, Joey. These position previews were a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I got to say, I'm really excited to actually – it's almost game week. Like, it, it is time to see a game and see what this team looks like. Dude, I gotta come clean. We we talked to Brett Beetleman today. day. It's Friday. It's Friday, first of all. A lot of us are going to cover high school games. We'll have coverage of that, obviously, online at the Line Inquirer. Didn't have a lot more. And like the whole time I'm driving over there, I thought, we're talking to a Big Ten head coach. Like I should have a list of things. It's like I don't I don't have a lot. I need to see some football. Yeah. It's it's funny, you know, media day, it's all Oh, Johnny and Keith, again, we've talked to them 500 times. Whatever. It's back. And it's fun. And you get good content. And then training camp comes, and you're all revved up because it's content. Mm-hmm. Then you get to this point, and it's like, 
I would really, really like to see something. I'd like to see a football game. I'd like to stop talking about what could happen and see what does happen. And, that's, and then at the bye week in October, you're like, get me away from here for a weekend. I'm tired of being here. That's right. That's the life. But football is right around the corner. Hey, thank you to everybody for listening to these position previews. It's been a lot of fun. Hope you, you enjoyed them. I do got a preview. Jay Lehman will have his season preview on Monday. We'll start up with Jay Lehman. He's joining us again for another year of Illini Inquirer podcast and VIP film rooms. So Jay will join us on Monday to preview the season. That'll probably be up in the afternoon at some point on Monday. So stay subscribed to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Follow us, rate us, review us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. We always put these up there as well. And check out all the content at IlliniInquirer.com. Joey had a great piece today on 10 sleeper depth impact pieces. Do you want to mention one of the guys that you really feel good about, Joey? I don't remember who I who I <laughs> Well, the photo I did was Aiden Lawfrey. Oh, okay. I figured yeah, people would be interested in him. One guy I want to mention. I do remember what I write most of the time. I didn't know. I was like, I don't remember talking about this one guy. Story. One guy I'll mention, Ashton Hollins. Just uh, some two span vibes, uh, Ashton Hollins. Yeah, I, I to me, if you're picking a wide receiver from that group, I think it's Sean Miller because I still think he's polished. I think he's ready. If he can stay healthy, yeah. he would be that guy. I'm scrolling through just to prove that I actually know what I write most of the time. You had Sean Alec Miller. Bryant. Alec Bryant was a cheat to put on there because I think he's technically a starter, but he's on there. He's not starting games, so unless an injury. He is happened. not. He is not. So I, I and, and defensive back could have been anybody, right? Yes. The guy put Prince Ford could have been anybody. Yeah. Pick someone. Uh, I also did ten freshmen who could play, ten breakout candidates, and uh, we will have our season predictions and our overs and unders coming out this weekend, and then we can get the game prep against Toledo. All right, for Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. VIP Pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.